simple question. Where are you most afraid? Are there places in the world that scare you or maybe even terrorize you? Let me show you a place that terrorizes me. Yes, the Ferris wheel. The Ferris wheel. And you're saying to yourself, well, Pastor Chris, that's silly. Why would you be afraid of the Ferris wheel? You're just making that up. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. In fact, I remember the exact day I became afraid of the Ferris wheel. When I was a young boy in Fairport, New York, every year they'd have the VFW annual fair. And there'd be uh, food and there'd be games and there'd be rides. And once during the week they'd have a thing called Children's Day. So, of course, it was less expensive for kids to go. And I have a wonderful, God-loving sister today, eight years older than me, who loves me, but back then when we were little, she was torqued because my mother made her take me with her friends to the carnival. So imagine this, me and my sister and her friends in line for the Ferris wheel, and I'm all excited because it's the Ferris wheel, right? And her and her friends start having this conversation. They start talking. They go, yeah, did you hear about what happened at the carnival last week in that other town? Yeah, these kids got in the Ferris wheel and they started rocking the chair and all of a sudden the Ferris wheel tipped over and everybody died. (laughs) Yeah, I got out of that line really quick. Really quick. In fact, today, if you were ever to coax me into the Ferris wheel and you started rocking the chair, I would throat punch you. Not while we were in the chair, because that would cause it to rock. It would be after we got off the Ferris wheel. Because that still, to this day, scares me, because I'm thinking, it's going to fall over. It's going to fall over. Now, I'm just not afraid of Ferris wheels. I'm also afraid of the dentist chair. I'm afraid of the doctor's office. And I'm afraid of any room that is dark. So I sleep with a nightlight. Yes, be praying for my wife. She has to put up with so much. But I sleep with a light on because that just gives me peace and comfort. Now, we all have fears like this. Some of them are silly. Some of them are real. Uh, but there are fears, and they're your fears. And you can be afraid um, of whatever you want to be. There's only one fear that bothers me. And that fear maybe is because I'm a pastor and because I'm a Christian. But it bothers me when I hear about people who are afraid to go to church. Do you know this is a real thing? This is actually a phobia. Check this out up on the screen here. It's called ecclesiophobia. This is a real deal. It's the fear of churches. And it refers either to, of the two separate fears, either they're afraid of the building itself, or they fear what the church represents. Folks, this can't be. This can't be because... The church is one of the few places today where people hear the truth. The truth of Jesus that changes lives, right? That heals relationships. That gives guidance and direction. So we can't have people being afraid of going to church. Now at the beginning of our series, we've been talking about how we can do more together. Well this morning we're going to talk about how we can do more together when we create a safe place at church. 
so that people aren't afraid. Now, the question is, how do we do that? Well, the answer is in the book of John. If you want to follow along in your own Bibles, turn to John chapter 20, verses 24 to 28. It'll also be up on the screen if you'd like to follow along there. John chapter 20, verse 24, we pick up the story after Jesus has been crucified and risen from the dead and appeared to his disciples. So it says, John chapter 20, it says, verse 24, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told them, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. All right, so let's break this down. Here's this first part. It's pretty powerful. The disciples have all seen Jesus except for Thomas. And they say to him, listen, we have seen the Lord. Now, folks, when we think of creating a safe place at church, there's something we have to remember. We have seen the Lord, right? Most of you are here today and have experienced Jesus in your life. He has created you into a new creation. He has helped you come through temptations and sins. He has healed relationships. You have this experience. And what we have to remember is that there are other people out there that haven't. There are other people out there that don't even know what we're talking about. But they're seeking something better in their lives. They're looking for hope. They're looking for help. And so we need to create a place where they can come and be themselves. Where they can bring their questions and they can bring their doubts, and they can bring their life choices. And we know that the disciples have created this space for Thomas because of his response. Thomas says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now, I think that's a very powerful, bold, humble statement, right? Because he could have gone along with the crowd, right? We always, always feel pressured to go along with the crowd. He could have said, he said, oh yeah, you saw Jesus? Okay, well, I believe too, and, and you know, I'll see him someday soon. But he didn't. He felt safe enough to say, you know what? I'm not going to doubt, I'm not going to just trust your word. I'm not believing until I see it for myself. It's kind of like when people look at you and they say, hey, how are you doing today? Do you really tell them the truth? Or you say, oh, I'm doing great. Meanwhile, your life is in a shambles. Or maybe your marriage is struggling. But you don't come out and tell them that. Why? You don't feel safe. A safe place has not been created. But it's been created for Thomas. And this is really important. As we read this next verse, it says, A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. 
Now, you might have just taken this for granted before, but I want you to see how powerful this is. You know what this means? They did not kick Thomas to the curb. In other words, Thomas said, hey, I don't believe what you guys believe until I see Jesus. And you know what they said? Okay. You can, you, you can still hang with us. You can still come with us. We still love you. It's okay that you disagree with us. You can still be with us. They've created that safe place. And this is important because of what happens next. It says, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Folks, because they created that safe space for Thomas, he was there when Jesus showed up. And so he got to see Jesus for himself. And what's really cool is Jesus' response to Thomas. Did he scold him? No. Did he yell at him? No. He showed him mercy and he showed him grace. And he said, listen, Thomas, if this is what you got to have to believe, then here you go. Do what you got to do so that you'll believe in me. We need to create a safe space, folks, so that people can come in and meet with Jesus. And Jesus can show them mercy and grace and help them through difficult times and help them to believe the truth. And then, of course, the powerful ending, the result was simply this. Thomas said to him, Lord, my Lord and my God. Thomas believed. What an awesome example of we can do more together when we create a safe place in church. So again, how do we do this? Well, let's go to our next steps. I'm going to give you some specific things I want to encourage you to do to create that safe place here at Oak Ridge. And here's the first thing. I want you to pray. And not just pray, but pray specifically. And I want you to pray before you come to church. Maybe you're going to wait till you get in the car. Maybe it's in the shower or whenever. But I want you to pray as you're coming to church, Lord, help me to have a soft heart. Or maybe you want to say, Lord, break my heart for people who don't know Jesus. And when they walk in these doors and I see them, help me to love them. Help me to be glad that they're here. Maybe their sin is really, really obvious. Lord, help me to look past that obvious stuff and just love them and welcome them. So pray for that. And then when you see them, welcome them, right? Seek them out. There's nothing um, sadder for me, I guess you could say, as a pastor than when we do that greeting time and I'm up here and I can see crowds and everyone's greeting and the new people are just standing there doing this. Is anyone going to say hello? All right. So when you see new people, seek them out. Go up to them. Say, hey, how you doing? Welcome. Good to have you here. Seek them out, but don't creep them out. Do you know what I'm saying? Seek them out. Some of you don't know what I'm saying. Let me explain. Go up to them and say, hey, how you doing? Welcome to Oak Ridge. Don't go up to them and say, hey, how you doing? Welcome to Oak Ridge. Isn't it great to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ? That will freak them out. Do you know why? Even though we know what's good news, and someday they're going to know what's good news, right now, blood to them, for most people, is gross. Right? Being washed in blood is grosser. 
So don't lead with that kind of stuff. Lead with stuff like, hey, how you doing? How'd you hear about the church? Good to have you here. And then build into maybe asking them about their hobbies and maybe invite them out for coffee, right? Seek them out. Don't creep them out. And then here's the thing. Pray for them during church. This is important. I know a lot's going on, but God can handle it. You could be singing songs. People could be praying. You can pray for people during all of this, and God will hear you. Pray for them. Pray, Lord, I know these people are new, or maybe I haven't seen them before, so I think they're new. And say, Lord, I don't know what's going on in their life. You do. I'm glad that they're here. Whatever they're looking for, whatever they're struggling with, Lord, help them. Right? Pray that God will move in their lives in the music and the prayer and the offering and the message, whatever. Pray for them. And then be patient. Be patient. I love uh, what Ryan Leake said at a conference I went to just recently. He said, some churches go from singing the song, hey, come, just as you are, right? That song, just as I am. But then a couple weeks later, they're going to go, well, when are you going to get your act together? That's too fast, right? We got to give people time, people patience to grow in that relationship, right? We can't rush them. Now, this is very passionate to me. This is important to me because I'm standing here today simply because the first Free Methodist Church I ever went to had created a safe place for me. Because I grew up Roman Catholic, and so I knew all the things you do as a Catholic. I knew when to bend my knees. I knew when to stand. I knew all the stuff to say. I had that down. But when I started dating Joanne, she said, well, I want you to go to church with me. So I went to my first Free Methodist Church. I'm going to tell you right now, I was scared. I was scared to go to this church because I didn't know what to do, what they were going to think of me. And I also, of course, had anxiety, so that added all to the fun. So I still remember going to church. I still can see myself. It was a really sunny day. It was really nice. I went through the doors, and I got greeted by someone. And they just simply said, hey, how you doing? Welcome. That was it. I thought, okay. And then they had this really cool thing. We don't have it, but they did. They had a balcony and that was awesome for me because I got to hide up in uh, the balcony. We don't have a balcony. We have the back rows. And I'm not saying that you're here today hiding in the back rows. But if you ever get really comfortable and confident, there's plenty of room up front if you want to leave the back rows for the new people. But I, was, I felt safe being kind of distant, right, and kind of watching things for a while. And, of course, I'm with Joanne, so she's praying for me during the whole service. And then, you know what? They let me do stuff, and they were patient. I've mentioned this to you before. Uh, they asked me and Joanne, well, they asked Joanne, but they included me uh, to uh, teach a, a Sunday school class of 7th and 8th graders. So I got to do ministry. Now, of course, I was just the game guy, but they let me do this. And you know what? They were patient with me. And you know how I know this? I tested them. Not on purpose. It just happened that way. My wife and I, well, my girlfriend at the time, thought it was a great idea to take our 7th and 8th graders to Toronto, which is about four hours away, to see the Blue Jays play the Oakland A's in the brand new Sky Dome. This was 1988. It had just opened. The kids were excited. We were excited. And the trip was planned. And the tickets were bought. But Joanne hadn't checked her schedule and found out there was a conflict. Her family was going to Wyoming, so she wouldn't be able to go. And I'm like, Psh, I can go. I can handle this. What's the worst that could happen? A lot. A lot. Um, I did take another parent, just to let you know, 
but uh, we took the church van, they had a church van, and so me and this other parent took these 7th and 8th graders on a Saturday night, which is probably not a good idea to begin with, but it was a Saturday night to Toronto to see the Blue Jays play the A's back when the A's had the Bash Brothers, if you know what that means, they were really good, it was a lot of fun. The kids had a blast, the game was over about 10, 10, 30, and they all like, we're really hungry. Let's go somewhere to eat. Let's go to the spaghetti warehouse factory. And I'm like, that sounds like a great idea. I didn't have kids. What do I know? So I'm like, yeah, that sounds fun. So we went to the spaghetti warehouse and we ate and we had a blast. Now this was 1988, so there were no cell phones. Which means somebody had to stop and think, maybe we should call the parents. Nobody did. So we're driving home and we get to the border between the Canada and the U.S. at about 2.30 in the morning on a Saturday night. None of the parents have been called. And if I did the math, and I did do the math, we're not rolling into Rochester until about 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning with 7th and 8th graders. So at this point, you're thinking, well, now you're definitely calling the parents. No. My first thought was to say, okay, who's going to get in trouble the least by coming home late? Okay, you'll get dropped off last. You're going to get in trouble the most? Okay, you're going to get dropped off first. So on that Sunday morning in the church van, I'm dropping kids off in their driveway as the sun's coming up at about 5.30, 6 o'clock on a Sunday morning. Now, they showed great patience. They didn't kick me out of the church. They never let me go on a trip again, I can tell you that much. But they didn't kick me out of the church. They still let me help Joanne. Joanne did yell at me. Nobody else did. Um, But they showed patience. And uh, because, you know, they knew I was going to make mistakes, and they allowed me to keep doing ministry. And here's the cool thing. Uh, I kept doing ministry. I kept growing. And then when I felt called in the ministry, they helped me go to seminary. So I know the difference that a church with a safe place can make. And folks, I'm going to tell you right now, there are a lot of doubting Thomases out there today. There are a lot of Chris Shumskys that are out there today. And they need a safe place to land. Now here's the good news. And I mentioned this last week when I talked about divisions in the church. We didn't have those. We don't have those at Oak Ridge. And again, I think we've really created a safe place here at Oak Ridge. And I think that's one of the main reasons a lot of people come here and they're seeking us. And not only this, is this place safe for new people, but we've made it safe for everybody. I mean, you just can't come in here and work with the children. You have to get a background check according to our insurance and our denomination, right? Because we want to make this safe for everybody. And we've done that. But we can't get cocky, right? We can't just take things for granted because our church is growing. That's why we've added staff. And we know that come this fall, we're going to be inundated with a lot of men and women. A lot of men and women who need Jesus. So I want you to be praying. I want you to seek them out don't creep them out. I want you to be patient. And then, folks, we need to celebrate and give God the glory when someone goes from being afraid of coming to church to saying to themselves, man, I don't know how I lived without this. Because it's going to happen. And it's going to happen a lot. Because we can do more together when we create a safe place in church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this church. Father, we thank you for all the different lives um, that have been touched by you. 
Father, we thank you for all the men and women who, who were afraid to come here. They had heard rumors about churches. They had had bad experiences at other churches growing up as children. But they got over, they got over their fears and they came here and they experienced a safe place and now this is just their home. And Father, we thank you for all those stories. But Father, now we pray for all the other men and women and children in our communities that need you, that need your truth. And Father, we know that this is one of the few places they're going to hear it. So Father, take away the barriers, take away their fear. And when they come here to Oak Ridge, Lord, help us to love them. Lord, help us to seek them out and to greet them, make them feel comfortable. Lord, help us to pray for them and be patient with them. And Lord, again, we give you the glory as you change their lives. And Father, we just praise you and thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen.